So we'll look ahead to the Virginia Cavaliers momentarily, but I do wonder about Virginia fans, not just the optimism or lack thereof that many of them seem to feel towards their football program, but how many of them will have an eye towards a couple of other college football programs that are out there? And there are three that come to mind. Clemson's the obvious one. The change to Garrett Riley, fresh new offensive coordinator approach. And yes, Coach MR, uh, big fan of ours. We're a fan of his in the fast lane, but he's weighed in plenty of times and not been a fan of how uh, Brandon Streeter, whom he knows, uh, did not seem to get a very good shake toward the end at Clemson. And I think some of that may be justified on him. Some of it's the fact that he's labeled as a Jeff Scott, Tony Elliott guy, and neither one of them has lit the world on fire since leaving Clemson, nor has that offense produced anything close to what people expected once Trevor Lawrence and before that Deshaun Watson left the program. So that's part of it. Then there's the other part. So it's amazing because I look at that angle and I sit there and go, oh, that's one challenge. Then there's the other part that you look at who's left the program. Jeff Scott struggled at South Florida, gets the axe, is gone. And that's part of it. Then go a step further beyond Jeff Scott. If South Florida all of a sudden kicks it into high gear, and no, I'm not talking about when Alabama comes there in a couple of weeks. I'm talking about beyond that. Then that's going to be an indictment on the Clemson philosophy. And then are we getting another one with Oregon State? Because DJ Uyunglele left Clemson to go to Oregon State, and I get the need for a fresh start, and you know he got benched, and Klubnik's been the guy since the end of last year, but if all of a sudden, new system, not the Elliott Scott Streeter system, but he goes to Oregon State with uh, Smith, who's done a really good job out there with that underfunded, you know, totally off the beaten path program, and if DJU succeeds there, it would be another indictment of that old system. And then, of course, what obviously happens with the Virginia Cavaliers themselves and the concerns from last year to this year. So it is interesting. Virginia fans potentially monitoring that as well as their own program, which does bring an even bigger question to the fast lane. And it's something we discussed with our next guest, Brad Franklin of CavsCorner.com, when he joined us a couple of months ago, and he still opines on these type of things at Cavs underscore corner and the Cavs corner podcast and that is Virginia fans being in a show me state of mind they want to see proof before buying into the Tony Elliott era and that it could actually turn around from last year so we'll get the update on that and more with Brad Franklin who joins us now in the fast lane Brad a pleasure to speak with you thank you for making time for us in the midst of the busy season of getting prepped for the college football season Um, you keep track of this from the message boards and obviously the metrics of people checking out the content that you guys generate great content it is at CavsCorner.com are Virginia fans still in a show me state of mind before they buy into the idea that Tony Elliott can turn turn this thing around from last year to this year you know, and I think it's fair to say that they never, uh, they never slowed down in that state of mind. I think, if anything, maybe some of them have even doubled down on it. I, I think that the reality of college football is that if you're not winning, um, it's not just that folks want to know, you know, how you'll do it. They want to know how quickly you'll do it. Now, I think that you, you know, we've talked before, um, and I've and I've said this various times on our podcast, and certainly on the website in general that. You know, a lot of times, if you look back at what Bronco Mendenhall did in his first year at UVA, he sort of coached it as if it was like BYU year 11 rather than UVA year one. And I think in some ways what Tony Elliott had experienced at Clemson sort of lined him up to do something similar when he took the reins in Charleston. So I think as we look at this season, 
for I think for them, for all intents and purposes, this is basically year one. Fans are not in a year one sort of situation. Fans thought, you know, after Bronco, they had much more talent on that team last year than than they showed on the field. I, I think the the fact that you had you went from having a record setting offense to just an absolute mitigated disaster on that side of the ball, and it and it really did muddy what was an incredible turnaround for the defense. So I think fans. If they're not necessarily in, in you know, kind of that show-me state of mind, it's because they're just being kind. I think the vast majority of them, and especially the folks who, you know, pay attention to websites like mine, pay attention to like podcasts like ours, they're, they're very much in the show-me situation. And if Virginia goes out and doesn't at least look like the Cavaliers have a plan, they don't at least look like they have their stuff together, it's going to be a really tough sell down the road. And that's not, you know, look, I, I think the coaches that, that Tony has put together are – are, especially on the defensive side of the ball, are extremely good, and the, and the kids rave about them. I mean, you can look at that defense and tell, you know, they really kind of knew what was up last year, right? They 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 did a nice job of, of coming together. Offensively, though, it was the exact opposite, right? The same amount of momentum, but in the in the opposite direction. And so, I think if the offense doesn't come out this year, and look not just better, but dramatically better, it's going to be a really really rough couple months. No doubt, and that's the other point that you brought up is is wanting to see things. How much do you believe that fans, and we made this point earlier, they'll be monitoring three other situations. Does Clemson take a step forward getting out of the Elliott Scott Streeter offense with Garrett Riley? South Florida, same thing because they've replaced Jeff Scott as their head coach. And then DJU was named the starter at Oregon State. If he flourishes all of a sudden not being attached, would those be more indictment points on Tony Elliott as well? I think the biggest indictment point, honestly, is going to be what happens with Brendan uh, Armstrong and Raleigh. Um, if Brendan Armstrong and Robert and I link back up and he turns into, you know, the 2021 version of Brendan Armstrong, slinging it all over the yard, putting up a bunch of numbers, scoring touchdowns, you know, I think a lot of folks in Charlottesville um, sort of understood that for, for whatever reason, uh, Brendan was not a good fit for what Des Kitchings and Tony Elliott wanted to do last year. Now, you can point fingers in a variety of different directions. I think everybody shares a little bit of that blame. Um, including Brennan. I, and I don't know to what extent he'd be willing to sort of say that out loud, but I think that it's very fair um, to, to basically say that everybody in that situation needed to do something a little differently, sometimes in some situations a lot differently. Um, but the reality is that you had this really talented quarterback, the best quarterback in terms of seasons, in terms of numbers, all that fun stuff that Virginia's ever had, and he just put an absolute clunker out there. So he goes to another ACC school. If he comes, you know, he goes down to Raleigh and puts up numbers. He comes into Charlottesville in that rematch and, and puts up numbers. That's a really, that's a really rough little piece of data, right? Here's a guy that you couldn't win with, and he can clearly win in the ACC. So what was your problem, right? I think that is as much, if not a significantly bigger uh, issue for for Tony and company than any of the other three situations you just mentioned. I think that. That's one. That one's local, right? That one hits very close to home. And I feel like there are a lot of folks who feel, rightly or wrongly, that Brennan got a little bit of the short end of the stick. Now, I don't necessarily think that. I think, you know, he shared in some of that. I don't think that he really was as interested in sort of doing some of the things that the playbook, that the offensive style required of him, right? Virginia fans would never say that a point guard who didn't want to run Tony Bennett's system was better off to just do what they wanted versus running what Tony wanted him to run, regardless how successful they had been, right? But then again, the staff has just not earned that. It goes back to the whole previous question, right? You gotta, you gotta go out there and you gotta earn it. I do think Tony Musk is a much better fit for what they want out of that position, how they want, you know, checkdowns to work, what the route trees look like, what the concepts 
are, you know, translate into. And I feel like this season it's going to be up to Tony and to Dez and, and that offense, regardless of what you got going up front on the offensive line, regardless of the lack of experience of receiver. You got to go out there and put up some numbers. You got to go out there and score some points. You got to at least show people, even if you're not necessarily successful to the point where you're winning games, that you at least know how to do it and that you guys are stepping in the right direction. Brad Franklin, CavsCorner.com and the Cavs Corner podcast. He's also at appropriately enough Cavs underscore corner on Twitter to interact with him on that platform. As, as you look at Virginia's season and fans having their issues and certainly maybe it manifests itself on the football field in a good or a bad way, do you throw out what you see in the opener against Tennessee just because of the, at least to the naked eye here, perceived gap in talent between the Wahoos and the Volunteers? Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. I think that, that that's one of those gift and a curse situations, right? Virginia comes out there. Tennessee just has a terrible day. Virginia looks good. It'll set the expectations and maybe even put them in a position where it's not, re- it's not real, right? It's fool's gold. Having said that, it could be the exact opposite. Tennessee comes out there like a hot knife through butter, and all of a sudden you look even worse than you actually are. So I think it's, more of, it's, I think it's going to be more of a situation where you get to week three, week four, and you kind of have a much better feel for what you really are versus what you're going to be, you know, that night on the of the opener. Um, that being said, you still want to look like you know what you're doing. Even if Tennessee's better at this spot or that, even if they're putting some points up, even if the defense is not necessarily figured out everything at cornerback, right? Even if they've kind of they got some growing pains, you know, a couple of positions they've got to fill some holes in. Even if the offense isn't putting up points, that kind of stuff. Like I don't think you throw everything out per se, but I do think if you're staff, you have to go there with the mindset of. Yeah, we want to win the football game. There's no doubt about that if you're a staff. But you also have to go in there with the mindset of, like, what do we need to see, right? What positions can we put guys in to, in to, to basically have the most success that they can have? Um, certainly you'd love to go in there and surprise everybody and their brother and win the thing. Um, but at the end of the day, it's mu- there's a much bigger sort of journey ahead of you. And you can't, you can't get blinded by the opportunity to, for one upset um, at the risk of everything else. Um, you know, I think one of the mistakes they made last season was not forcing Brennan Wright to be exactly what they wanted and needed him to be. I think they tried to change what they were doing midstream. And a lot of coaches will tell you that that is the kiss of death, right? There's a reason you don't watch, um, you know, teams go out there and do that very often. A lot of times it might not be really good what you're seeing, but they're not going to go out there and try to be who they're not. And I think there were times last year where that offense tried to go out there and be who they weren't. Uh, this year, I think what you want to see is you want to see this team, especially this offense, go out there and be who they want to be and be who they are. So, Brad, that brings us to the magical question that we will use to wrap up our chat with you today here in the fast lane. And again, we appreciate your time uh, at, from CavsCorner.com and at Cavs underscore corner on Twitter. I'm going to break out the jump to conclusions, Matt, for this one and <laughs> presume I'm going to get to the conclusion that I believe in this episode coming up this week or next week, you'll go through your full schedule breakdown and you and Justin Ferber and David Spence, you'll all have your projections for the upcoming season on that game by game basis as you've done traditionally uh, leading up to the season. So rather than getting you to divulge exactly what the win loss record is, how will this season unfold from a broader perspective? Will it fit the low expectations? Three and a half wins according to the sports books. Will it be worse than that? Or will it actually be better than that? And if so, by how much? I wouldn't be surprised to see him scratch out five or six wins. Uh, I would be really shocked to see him get less than you know the number. Um, I don't think that necessarily... Um, 
you know, it's not that I'm seeing, you know, Musket. I'm like, oh, you know, he's going to be this and that or that. I'm looking at the offensive line, and I think they're going to be something that everybody else thinks they're not going to be, right? It's more of a function of I do think that that defense has a lot of experience back. Even even if you work from the assumption that Chico Bennett is going to be a little slow to get back, um, and I do think he'll be back, I, I think that defense can withstand that. Um, and I, because of what Rosinski and his group did last year with a group that had looked pretty terrible for several seasons, the about face that they made and the, 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 the very quick strides that that defense put together, I think, me, makes me think that they'll be able to solve the answers at, at middle linebacker and, and at cornerback. The offense, I do think Musket's better for him. I do like uh, the, the – actually, I like the wide receiver talent they have. I think Malachi Fields and J.R. Wilson, Wilson are two really nice pieces, two big body guys. I think Malik Washington might be the secret to the whole thing. He might be the, the piece that, for me – gives me the reason why I, I'm, when we make that, those predictions on the podcast we'll record tonight that will be out tomorrow, why I'm probably going to be a little higher on this team than, than my co-host will be. Um, I think ultimately it's going to be a little bit better year. I don't think they're going to be you know, by any stretch or any estimation, quote-unquote, good or great, but I do think they're going to be more serviceable. The question is going to be at the end of that, if it's five, if it's six, you know, whatever that might be, if those wins mean and translate to actual momentum, right? They, 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 it's not just now that you have to sort of turn around from where you were. It's also where you've got you've to catch up. Because in this game, like we talked about earlier, you know, fan bases are, are no longer patient. And so I think for these, for these coaches, for this team this year, they're going to have to put something together. I think they're going to be better than what most experts think. The question is how much better. And I think that's where the, that real rubber to meet the to really you know hammer home the cliche. I think that's where the rubber meets the road. Brad, you've been patient with our questions and making some time for us today in the fast lane. Thank you much, and I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks when JMU and Virginia square off in Scott Stadium. Until then, we'll keep it locked to CavsCorner.com and uh, your podcast projections coming up in the next twenty four hours. Sounds good, Dad. Take care, buddy. Indeed. Brad Franklin with us here on the Fast Lane. When we return, Andrea Adelson was initially this summer, right after ACC football kickoff, at Virginia. So we'll get her thoughts on the Who's plus the Hokies. She had, I wouldn't call it a scathing report, but it was a revelatory report on how Virginia Tech has gotten to this point where all of a sudden, I wouldn't say the pressure is all that high, but maybe that's a bad thing because they've fallen so much. Her story and thoughts next here in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and Fast Lane Ed Lane plus Trail Off ET, wherever you want to connect with us on social media.